Hello, this is exactly with me, Florence Given, and I'm so happy that you're here with me today as it's very excitingly the start of a brand new mini series. And the subject I'm going to be exploring over the next four episodes is feminism. Learning about feminism changed my life. It ignited a fire inside me. It's the very reason I'm doing this podcast today. Feminism taught me that I have a voice, that it does not need to be suppressed that there is more to me than how I look as a woman. Feminism was my introduction to myself. Feminism taught me that there's so much more to being a woman and that there are so many things that I just don't actually have to put up with because I've been told to settle for them. And I cannot wait to continue this journey with you and my guests on the podcast. To kick off this first episode in this new mini-series, I'm speaking to my friend and one of the most prominent voices in modern feminism, Jamila Jamil. At the end of the episode, we'll be answering the questions you've sent in via my Instagram stories. And coming up in the fourth episode on feminism, remember that I want to hear from you. My guests and I will be answering your calls, texts, and your voice notes. So any questions or dilemmas that you have to do with feminism, just drop me a line on my podcast WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven eight nine zero three zero two six six five. This mini season is all about feminism. It's such a massive subject to get your head around and I don't want it to be intimidating. I want feminism to feel fun. I want it to feel like you can actually engage with it in a way that suits you. And what I love about my guest today is that she shows that you can make mistakes within feminism and that everyone has a part in the revolution and everyone has a different way to do it. So I just want to make feminism seem like it's fucking accessible because it is. And it does not have to be gatekept from young women because you need to study academia or whatever. Feminism is just basic human decency. It's basic human respect. It's changing people's minds. It's uprooting the lies that we've been told for years and years and years to the point where they feel like truths, to the point where we internalize the truth that women are inferior. All of this stuff, empowerment, and feeling good about yourself and uplifting other people, that is something that I always just want to make accessible. So that's what's really important to me about today's episode and about well, any episode that I do with exactly. I'm so excited to have my friend Jamila Jamil join me today. She describes herself as a feminist in progress and she's not afraid to say what she thinks or call people out. She definitely pisses a lot of people off, including feminists, but I fucking love her for it. I have so much respect for the work she's doing. She's been a huge inspiration and support to me privately. I talk about my own journey into feminism in chapter one of my book, Women Don't Know You Pretty. It's simply titled, Feminism is Going to Ruin Your Life in the Best Way. My own journey into feminism started when I was in secondary school at around 14. I stopped wearing a bra and people would point it out to me. I then started to Google all this stuff about how our bodies were objectified when the same body parts of a man weren't. It wasn't until I turned 18 and I started going out that I experienced sexual harassment from men and found that it was so normalized that I actually started to act upon this rage that was building inside of me. I started combining my illustrations with my slogans that I was creating and I started putting them online. And that's kind of where it came from. My entire career has just come from this boiling pit in my stomach of feminist rage. And that's why I'm really interested to find out about where other women get their rage from. What I love about my guest today, Jamila, is that she's refreshingly a lot more open to the human side of feminism, the side of women that make mistakes. And I feel that that's another part of feminism is that 
we can go from one end to the other where we're now not demanding beauty perfection from women, but moral perfection from women. And it kills me to think that women are moving from one space of defining themselves by beauty to another, where we're now defining ourselves by morals in a way that are just impossible to uphold. It's impossible to always do the right thing. It's impossible to always make good choices for yourself. We're all a product of our environment and yeah, women are gonna fuck up. In fact, I'm with Jamila on the belief that we should be giving women a little more room to fuck up because we hold ourselves to such ridiculous standards anyway. We've got to be there for each other and it's nice to know that you have people that have your back. I've seen Jamila attacked far more from feminists and people on the left than I've ever seen her attacked by conservatives. Jamila and I have spoke about this privately, but there was a time where I wasn't sure what to think of her because people on our side of the camp were calling her everything under the sun. And I got sucked into believing many lies about her over the years. And today I just want to gain a little more insight into the life of Jamila and what she believes it's going to take for us to get our act together and sort this shit out for good. Hi, Jamila. Thank you so much for coming onto my podcast today. I can't wait to talk with you. Same. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. It's nice to see your beautiful face. I've got so many questions to ask you today, but first of all, I'm going to ask you my high five questions, which I ask all of my guests. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't think too much about it. This is a nightmare. Okay. This is just (laughs) a bad idea. Okay. What's one thing that sets your soul on fire? Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Fuck. Sorry, James. (laughs) If you could wear one outfit for the rest of your life, a look that would define you forever, what would that outfit be? It would be a big baggy suit (laughs) with a shit ton of pockets. Okay. What colour is the suit? Pinstripe? Velvet? It's black with like very thin grey pinstripes and uh, and it's very, very low cut. Oh, nice. You can see a lot of tit. Nice. Okay. Amazing. What's something that people frequently misunderstand or get wrong about you? I think that I care. I think people think that I am very, very concerned with public opinion and I don't give a fuck. I think people think I'm sitting there like Googling myself all day, just like seeing if I'm liked. I I knew I wouldn't be liked the second I had an opinion. Mm. So it's not something that I that I need or crave or desire because I don't really like anyone. Mm. So I don't expect anyone okay. to like me. That would be very hypocritical of me. Okay, next question. <laughs> I'm still yeah. a work in progress when it comes to everything literally everything I am not good or finished at anything okay other than maybe like snack hunting okay (laughs) okay when was the last time that you majorly cringed at yourself oh god um I think a better question would be when was the last time I didn't majorly (laughs) cringe at myself I constantly cringe at myself but also you know I live with all my best mates we've uh, known each other since we were teenagers and so we uh, live in a big English commune and they laugh at me all day to the point where now it just feels fun whenever I've done something embarrassing because oh, I know great. it will create comedy in the house. That's great. So it's it's very it's very very handy that it's completely like changed the tone of my cringe where now I can weaponize cringe for comedy points. Absolutely. That's amazing. So that's the end of my high five questions. Now I just want to get straight into it. Um, I want to talk about how, first of all, the reason I've got you onto this episode of my podcast exactly. Um, You've helped me a lot privately and 
it hurts me to see people paint you in a way that's not true of who you are at all on the internet. You've helped me out in a lot of ways. Um, I think you spoke about how the cost of women's mistakes is a lot higher than it is for men on social media. Mm. And I just, I think I replied to your story saying, fuck, this is so true. And I've not seen anyone actually say this out loud. It's been in my head for a while. And immediately you were like, what's your number? And then you gave me your number and we had a whole conversation about all of this kind of stuff about being a woman in the media. And I I just want you to talk a bit more about your gaslighting Instagram highlight that talks about the cycle in the media that women get caught up in where we're overexposed and then it's a joy to watch us be defeated by the public. It's like a social Olympic sport, I think. Um, Regarding men's and women's cancelable mistakes, I think we value men much more than women, which is why we set the bar much higher for their cancelable mistakes because we cannot lose a talented man. Mm. We must give Shia LaBeouf another chance. Come on. How can we replace Shia LaBeouf? But Anne Hathaway and Jennifer Lawrence can just fuck off. We just don't label men as annoying and also we have this thing where when we don't like a man we just kind of don't learn his name and we ignore him and we Mm. don't really bother with him at all he just gets to kind of exist peacefully or just like wander off into uh, nothingness which is much more peaceful than what we do with women when we don't like women we learn everything about them because I think there's maybe a part of us that's maybe defensive about not liking that woman and we want to prove it's not because of jealousy or misogyny so we're going to find (laughs) anything we can any morsel that will justify our profound uh, like visceral hatred of this woman even if that means going 15 years back into her tweets finding baby photographs of her that you find objectionable maybe her behavior was problematic (laughs) at the age of three uh, or you will start to dislike her facial expression Um, Mm. and and all of this is like um, fed into by the media there's like a very specific cycle and I didn't notice that cycle the first time I was in it because I became famous once in the United Kingdom and then sort of 10 years later became famous all over again in the United States. And the second time I was aware that I was in the middle of the machine. And that system is very simple and it's it's a very well-oiled system. We, we pluck a woman who stands out and we lift her above everyone else and we start to obsessively talk about her. We hyperbolize how excellent she is. So we're starting to kind of like boost her up and up and up onto this pedestal. So we're overexposing this woman. She's absolutely everywhere. We're constantly showing uh, photographs of her next to these incredibly hyperbolic headlines saying how amazing she is. And she's smiling in this kind of knowing way in the picture (laughs) that makes you feel like, oh, she's buying into this hype. Whereas often the woman is not even reading any of this stuff. And she's so insecure and terrified that she's being overexposed and hyperbolized that if anything, she's feeling the most insecure she's ever felt. And like, fuck, how am I going to live up to this? Very few women (laughs) actually drink the Kool-Aid. And so we start to think, oh, she's smug. Like she's getting a little bit ahead of herself. Why is she giving so many interviews all the time? And often we're not. They're just pulling stuff from one interview that we did as if we've given an interview to someone else. They are constantly... um, taking our tweets or our tweet conversations with someone else, the amount of fucking headlines about me that I've had no idea where they've come from because I've just replied to someone on Twitter and somehow that's made a story. And so it looks like we're desperate. Yeah, all of a sudden your tweets have become a press release. Anytime you say anything, it could be used against you when you have a platform. 
Exactly. So it looks like I'm just shitting. Like I just have press release diarrhea and I'm just constantly leaking <laughs> press releases. And this is the case for so many well, like women that I know in the public eye. And so, so then we are primed. The public is fucking sick of us. They are sick of our face. They think that we are mm. arrogant. And, and if we're not constantly self-deprecating, then they think that we buy into our own hype. But if we do self-deprecate too much, then we're disingenuous and we're trying too hard to be relatable. Mm. It's a fucking impossible line to walk. And so so once we're primed and ready, then comes the takedown. Then come the rumors about she's difficult or the um, headlines that paint her as aggressive or like, you know, for example, with me uh, or with anyone else with any melanin in their skin, uh, slamming, lashing out at, like clashing, bashing. Like I'm always just like everything, <laughs> like I'm everything other than like, they use every adjective other than like wanking like, <laughs> about me. Like it's always in like big caps lock. Jamila Jamil slams. I sound like a fucking UFC fighter mm. like in the headlines. And normally I'm just chill, just replying to someone yeah. very calmly, very politely, mm. especially if it's a white woman, I'm putting like love hearts on it to make sure that I'm not going to be called an aggressor. Like, and yeah, it gets turned into the most violent language possible. So sorry, I digress. So the public are now primed. We now start using rumors or smear campaigns or or uh, disproportionately focusing on minor negative behaviors or mistakes. And then we drag her through the mud by her pubes. And it's like, it's a big drop from that pedestal mm. that they put you up on. And that pedestal is a trap door. And so in 2018, when everyone was like, overly bigging me up and making me up to be like the new, like, I don't know, like Gandhi with a double D. <laughs> and they, you know, it's like, Jamila Jamil, the feminist hero we need. And uh, I was like, Time Magazine's 25 most influential list and all this shit was going on. Mm. Everyone was like, isn't this amazing? And I was like, no, this is fucking awful. I was like, this is going to be horrible. It was like that. So the, you knew? Just at the top of a ride on Alton. I knew because it was the second time round. Okay. I was like, it's like the top of the ride at Alton Towers where you know you're just like, they keep you there waiting for the drop. And so every day you're like, is it going to be In your today? stomach as well, you feel it. And today's going to be the day. It's a feeling in your, it's a, it's a visceral feeling of your gut of like everything's going too well. They're being too nice. I kept on trying to tell people the whole time. I was like, I'm a feminist in progress. I really don't know shit. I left school at 16. It's disclaimer like, I really, after like, I'm disclaimer. just figuring the shit out. I'm problematic. Constantly caveating myself, making sure that people knew like, please don't believe the hype. Like I'm really basic. I'm really, really fucking basic. And everyone was like, oh, she thinks she's such a great intellectual. I'm like, no, I don't. I really like, I just learned the term patriarchy when I was like 26. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> off. Um, and then, then comes the teardown and it's mm. epic and it is just unstoppable. And the, the hunger for it is so intense. And what's crazy, especially if you work in social justice, uh, but even if you don't, is that the most negativity doesn't come from the opposition, doesn't come from the people that you fight. It comes from your own. And most of the meanness comes from women mm. when you're a woman. Most of the cruelty comes from women. Yeah. And and it is just like endless. And how much people enjoy it is uh, really grotesque. And that's what made me suicidal last year was not people not liking me. It was watching the ugliness of people's behavior that made me think this world is too ugly for me mm -hmm. like I actually I, like how much people are enjoying this there's a bunch of like pedos and abusers walking around just going completely unscathed on the interview on the internet mm -hmm. and I'm annoying and yeah. so therefore I must be like maligned in every single way mm -hmm. uh it just made me feel like oh these people are gross 
people were writing tweets like, oh, I miss bullying Jamila Jamil. Like, oh my remember God. Remember when we all bullied Jamila Jamil? Yes. Like that was so fun. Yes. I've, 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 and I was like, oh, you're so gross. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've seen the same thing uh, about me. Someone said, um, fuck Florence Given, let's bring back bullying. And then it was, and, and what's funny no, no. is if my, my friend, um, Matt Bernstein on Instagram, I know, I know that you know his content as well. He yeah, said to yeah. me, he said, if you cover the usernames of these people, you would think it was someone from the right. Like if you cover the username and the, and the pronouns in the bio and you just read, fuck Florence Given, bring back bullying or the stuff about you, Jamila, you would assume that it was actually mm-hmm. coming from someone completely opposed to you, hates women, um, and actually, you know, you, I mean, you coined the term double agent for patriarchy. Could you talk a bit more about that and that term? Yeah, it just, it's something you can do knowingly or unknowingly where you are doing the patriarchy's work for them. You are going out of your way to either bring down women, to lie to women, to uh, harm other women, you know. And so that could be if you're selling diet or detox products or you are making money off of your appearance and not disclosing that you are using Photoshop and you are uh, having surgery and fillers and attributing your aesthetic to a bullshit product that you don't take. Uh, Or you are going out of your way to bring down a confident woman who really could probably just do with a little bit of support or a call in rather than a let's destroy them in the stocks. Mm, witch hunt. Which is what we do. Oh, it's a complete witch hunt. And it's, I'm so pro people like criticizing. I'm so much better for having been criticized and called out, but I only need to be criticized or called out by a handful of people. One thing I think is really toxic about our online behavior is that when we know what someone has already heard something 50 times, like it's trending we feel the need to add and say the exact same thing. Mm. We're not bringing anything new to the conversation. We just come in mm. and um, shit on them the exact same way or criticize them in the exact same way that's already happened. We can see it a hundred times in the comment. We're like, I must add my voice to this. Now, <laughs> when you do that and you can see that something's already trending and and people are already well aware of what the problem is, you're not doing it for the person that you are writing to. You're doing that so that everyone else knows you are on the right side That's and that important. you have the right understanding and it's very like important to check your own posturing because there's a lot of that online and it's tribal it's that thing that we do because deep down we're still just fucking in the caves worrying that we're going to be isolated from the group and then left to be eaten by the saber-toothed tiger mm. but we're not now we're just being cunts yeah we're just being like, cunts there's no saber-toothed tigers yeah we're just being fucking <laughs> cunts Check ourselves. Whenever Kim Kardashian does something problematic, people are always all like, or any of the Kardashians, always in my DMs every single day. Mm. All of their fans in my DMs being like, can you call Kim out for this? And I always write back. No, if now 100,000 people have already called her out for that thing, I'm not the punisher. Mm. I don't need to add my voice to this because then I'm just harassing her. Mm. That's not what I'm about. Now we can display our morals online. I feel like the standards for women have Mm. changed from looking perfect to having perfect morals. I don't think that that's ever not been there. But now with the internet, the cool girl no longer is pretty. She has cool politics. And I think that what's changing with that is that we're confusing politics with morals and then using them as like an indication of where we stand within the tribe. You have to be pretty and have the cool politics. Everyone pretends to like hate the police, but everyone's becoming the police. And everyone hates hierarchy and systems. And everyone is trying to further integrate hierarchy and systems. They're just in different ways. And I personally think that, you know, I think Scarlett Curtis has spoken about this before really well, that when activism like went into academia, that was great because it was further studied, but then it kind of became this 
untouchable exclusive thing that then was like suddenly the the rhetoric changed the language changed and simple wording was no longer used and everything was mm. cognitive dissonance this cognitive dissonance that <laughs> and so you know like do you know what I mean like everyone was using the same terminology yes. that didn't feel very accessible mm. to most people in the world like it's classist it's elitist it's um and then you have people misusing it as well people misusing it but also like people abusing their understanding of it against people who don't like people are all products of their fucking environment I grew up in the most problematic fucking household possible mm. it's a miracle I'm not like a murderer yeah. you know like I, <laughs> I also was really like I was really sick as a kid so I was away from school like I missed a lot of social cues I missed a lot of conversations around feminism mm. and all these different things I didn't actually have a lot of friends who were girls when I was young well friends full stop when I was young mm. no surprises there yeah. um and I uh and so I you know I didn't understand a lot about women which then led me to be like a judgy slut shaming dickhead 22 year old who was like yeah I'm just not really I'm like friends with guys really like I yeah. just think women are just too much drama mm. you know I was we are all products of our environment mm. I was bred to be you know anorexic I was bred to be like thinking that you know women have to be jealous of each other and competitive with each other yeah. like it's just we're all products of our environment we're all doing the best we can and we should just encourage people to be better tomorrow than they were today rather than strive for instant perfection. Nowhere on earth is else is anyone expected to be instantly perfect at something. Mm. Only the massively nuanced world of social justice. You touched on uh, eating disorders then when, when you mentioned anorexia and you were taught to be anorexic. Yeah. Um, obviously you have your platform and your podcast, I Weigh. Can you talk a little bit more about why I Weigh was such an important project to you? I remember when it started... And it just took the internet by storm and it was really incredible to watch and it's grown into something bigger and just more and more and more every year. Can you talk about why you started that and why that was important to you? Sure. It, when it was an accident, I was just uh, pissed off. Again, it was the Kardashians, but I was I was actually defending them. That's how our relationship started. Right. It's really disintegrated <laughs> since then. I saw a picture of them together and there were numbers written across their bodies. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's like something to do with their businesses or like how much net worth they have, which is obviously still a gross way to like <laughs> monitor anyone. But I was curious, clicked on the picture and it's how much they weigh. And I was like, fucking hell, you'd never see a picture of businessmen like a family of businessmen who created an empire with their weight written across their bodies we don't know what men weigh we don't care you have to be a literal UFC fighter for anyone to ever care about what yeah. you weigh <laughs> as a man and so I was like Jesus Christ this is what I thought when I was 12 that my body weight dictated my value and now 20 years later this is still what 12 year olds are being taught mm. and so I just wrote one day on Twitter, I had a very small following. Um, I had no Instagram followers. <laughs> I was just like, I weigh my relationship and my orgasms and my bingo wings and my eating disorder that I've overcovered. Like, I don't remember what I said exactly, but it was just, I weigh the sum of all my motherfucking parts, mm -hmm. right? I'm a whole human with a whole story and I deserve to be acknowledged that way. Mm -hmm. And I just tweeted it and I did not expect it to go so viral. Within three days, I had 10,000 responses from women around the world and some gay men and so uh, I started the Instagram account just to kind of create like a little museum of all these 10,000 responses. And I was like, it'll be like the ice bucket challenge or go away after two <laughs> weeks. And now it's been three years mm. and we have like one and a half million followers. We have a big podcast. We have a learning platform. And it started off as a space to talk about bodies and radical representation, but it has now kind of morphed into something that I think I really resonate with you over, which is that it's a starting, it's a starting platform. It's a learning space that feels like this is, it's okay for this to be 
your like early port of call in learning about social yes. justice. Like it's okay if you don't know everything, mm. that everyone has to have a starting point. We aren't pretentious. We aren't going to punish you for what you don't know yet. We're just so excited that you're here and that you want to learn. And I'm super ignorant. I learn in real time in front of everyone. I see people mock me about that on the internet and I think that they are so dumb but they could never do it they could never do it to ever like disqualify someone learning mm. as something that's lesser is so pathetic mm. because everyone's got something to i'm not always learning about the same one topic i'm learn, trying to learn about the whole fucking world it's yeah. gonna take me forever and so i want my way to be a happy learning space and that's what it is now absolutely i agree everyone can learn what i was going to say is i don't they could never learn so publicly the way you do because it is completely mm. different when you are a public person you are robbed of the privilege of making mistakes privately which I believe anyone should have the privilege of doing of making mistakes with with your mm. interpersonal relationships and saying I'm sorry and then it not being this thing in your head of going is this going to be a twitter thread tomorrow um and I like what you're saying about I Wei being a first point of call for activism, for social justice. And I know that what you do with Ai Wei is incredible in the way that you constantly share. I remember when you started doing takeovers at the beginning and now it's just constantly, like, I feel like you've, the whole platform is for other people, Jamila. Um, and you, you've done that really well and made it in a way that it is accessible, even with the captioned videos and all of this kind of shareable content that is easy to digest. Something that I've come up against in, even with my book, Women Don't Know You Pretty, is that people, mm. it's like this new trendy way of um, gatekeeping feminism is to bash women who find liberation in my book. So it's like, <laughs> or, or through th these platforms that are accessible. It's as though, you know, mm. everyone wants you to have read all of Marx's theory before you can call yourself a feminist or call yourself uh, this or that, or call yourself someone who cares about social justice. And that in itself is just completely inaccessible. It's not accessible to everyone. And if the path to liberation for one woman using, like coming across my book in Tesco because it's pink and she thinks it's pretty, she takes it home and then she becomes a raging feminist at the end of it and then find, reads bell hooks and all of these other incredible women. If that's someone's first point of call for this kind of stuff, who are mm -hmm. we to shame those people? And I, I totally relate to no, that. No, exactly. Exactly. But that's why I really like, that's why I really like what you do is just like, I, I could have done with something like what you put out into the world when I was younger, it would have felt like a, an accessible way. I wasn't very well read. Like I wasn't very, you know, and, and you write really well and you write in a really accessible way that it feels like you're not being lectured or made to feel stupid. You're just being spoken to by a mate. And I think that that's a real art form, Florence. And I think that you are a great communicator. Thank and you. it's not just your whiteness or your prettiness that has uh, led to this level of success. Because a lot of white girls also trying to do the same thing as you you do have a special skill for communicating and you do have a way of making people like you know just feel a bit rowdier <laughs> and I think that something Get I said to you over rowdy. the phone that like when when people were just trying to act like you are only a product of your privilege I take an issue with that because you are more than that of course you have privilege of course you've had a leg up that mm. someone else may not have had who looks different to you or whatever um or who moves differently through this world but but you still 
you have a, a, a needed place in this society. You have a way of connecting with many different types of women and, and maybe especially different types of women like you. And so if a girl who looks like you maybe is more drawn to your book, but then learns about intersectional feminism, about race, about class, about all these different things, about disability or sexuality, like that's valuable. We still need that. It's what I mean about the pretentiousness. No, we don't need to all be Dostoevsky. Like, like I've, I'm, I'm very, very simple and plain in my terminology. Mm. And that doesn't mean I'm stupid. It just means that I'm trying to speak in a way that will communicate to the most people as fast as possible. Mm. We don't need awards. What we need yeah. is mass <laughs> change fast. And what's amazing to me, and I, I'm so curious to hear what you think about this, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately, that I, I wonder if it's because of like, I don't know, Tinder and Instagram and so many TV channels that we have such a like a feeling of entitlement to choice mm. that we feel like we get to also choose who helps. Yeah. We get to choose the people who speak about important issues and like who just chip into the conversation. Obviously we should be able to choose our leaders, but we have now, it's like, oh, it's like we seem like we're doing so well. Like we're so ahead that actually, sorry, we don't actually need your help because uh, you're a bit annoying or I don't, I just, I don't really like your fringe. So I'm just going to wait for someone else. <laughs> that was, was like, too specific. We, but also I so get the well, fringe thing. <laughs> like how well do we think that we're doing? We need everyone to scrap in. Fucking educated, uneducated, mm -hmm. pro formally problematic and trying to change, perfect, morally superior. We need everyone involved yes because we are fucking losing yes we are in a fascist authoritarian patriarchal uprising and we're saying get like, rid of we her are in the of middle of this our abortion rights are being me. taken away and we're just like well she's annoying yeah. i don't like that she spoke about tom holland and zendaya's height difference <laughs> <laughs> like just but just fuck off and shut up and <laughs> scrap in man. Scrap in. stop trying to sleep show up. everyone how great you are and just yeah roll your sleeves up and help and educate people who don't know better mm. i think that's an excellent and everyone looks point. more disposable yes I, and I think I think that that's that's what it comes down to I think you've made a an amazing correlation there between the two because we do view people as disposable because uh, I, I recently watched this documentary called 15 minutes of shame um, and this expert on facial expression said that you cannot register a human being as a human being unless you see their face a name and a, a username and a profile picture it's impossible to recognize them as a person. And so we do treat mm. them through the screen as though they are fictional. And every time I do a talk, I don't know if you get this as well, I have, and I'm doing a book signing or something and I'm actually meeting people who follow me online and engage with my work. They always say, I can't believe you're real. I thought you were like this fictional character. And it was then that it clicked for me why people have said horrible things about me and why people treat me as so disposable as I'm sure you relate to as well and it's because yeah they don't you don't view people as a person and I think the this entitlement and this access that we have to people on dating apps is like choice paralysis we think that the world's our oyster which can be a really liberating feeling but also almost too much choice to the point where yeah we're viewed as disposable so we're also gaining autonomy in our choice but also losing mm. some because of how we're being viewed yeah yeah, and it's it, it's also like it's, it's no coincidence, therefore, that the last two years has been especially brutal and and we have been especially cruel to one another and impatient with one another because we aren't seeing each other's faces. We're just mm. sitting in our houses on our because own, frustrated, looking at, looking at everything, looking at the entire globe through a lens, looking at our friends, our loved ones, and finding it just easier to, to discard human beings. 
we're talking about social justice. Obviously, the reason we got into this is because we care about it so much. Do you have any tips for anyone who has something they fucking care about and wants to turn something into it, whether it's a school project or whether it's an Instagram platform or a podcast? What tips do you have for surviving this stuff and reminding yourself constantly coming back to your mission and why you're doing it? Well, look, I think first of all, I just want to piggyback of what you just said, which is that we are absolutely not trying to discourage you from joining um, social justice. We are telling you to not be part of the problem and to not hold yourself to these impossible standards. And we are telling you that you can be... I mean, I got accused of literally everything. People said I killed Caroline Flack, for fuck's sake, Mm. at one point. Like this woman who I really cared about who had no we had no beef with each other that was nothing to do with me but Piers Morgan needed the attention off of him because of what he was doing to Piers, to Meghan Markle at the time and so he quickly just randomly threw me under the bus with some old like maybe real maybe fake DMs from Caroline when she was mad at me a couple of years ago in a brief five minute spat that we had that we immediately got over because I'd known her for 10 years I, I got accused of having munchas and I got accused of of like lying about my sexuality I got accused of this that and the other like it just being this like terrible evil liar and I weathered that storm and I knew it wasn't fucking true Mate, and I know lot. that what I care about matters more than what other people think and I know that I will never be able to live in peace if I don't keep fighting for the things that I care about which is other people marginalized groups women like disabled people's rights like I um I know that what I want is more important than someone's passing judgment some random fucking strangers passing judgment with me and there's life after death because I thought (laughs) everything was over for me back then and now I'm in fucking Marvel (laughs) and I all my shows have been picked up and I've got new fucking projects on the road and I weigh is growing and my podcast just hit 10 million downloads in our first year and like we're like this is not like oh I'm a girl boss this is saying that like all the things that I cared about are still here and better and I'm better and stronger mm. for having withstood that and realizing the world doesn't end when you get criticized or when you are not liked or when you are not believed or when you are not approved of I am living walking breathing proof that there is life after death I think that's what I said to you I was like I'm yes, the ghost of cancellation past <laughs> And I was like, I'm here to tell you to keep going. Women cancel themselves. And this is this feels like it's been a very celebi podcast, Women right? Cancel like this, this episode has been very but we're talking about politicians or public figures or like famous activists or like women or like, you know, actresses, whatever. This this shit is bleeding out into schools. This is how kids are talking about when people are like, oh, euphoria seems a bit dramatic. No. Euphoria is practically a documentary of what it's like to be a teenager these days. It's fucking mm. harrowing. So this this behavior that they watch us play out in a public sphere with politics and with actresses and influencers, that all bleeds into our culture. This, what we're saying, is relevant to everyone, even though it might seem like we're talking about a very small subset of society. True. It's a, unfortunately a very influential, very highly publicized subset of society that influences the rest of society. Mm. And so if you are someone who is looking to engage in the social justice space or maybe re-engage because you left because you got terrified, like just practice practice what you preach teach uh, treat others the way that you would like to be treated yourself like I used to be a much more brutal person I'm much more careful in how I call things out much more careful about when I call things out whether or not my voice is actually needed and I reach out to other people I do not compete with other people I look at newer activists who are doing the exact same thing as me as exciting because there are more voices on the ground I look at everything as we are growing how do we grow stronger Mm. not how do I pick us apart until there's nothing left and so I think it's just about listening to this examining your own behavior are you part of the problem how can you be better and learning that 
that even when you think it's over, it's not over till you say it's over. No one else gets to tell you when you have stopped growing. Mm. That was fucking brilliant. Um, I think so much, so much words of encouragement in there um, for anyone listening, because I know that a lot of my audience are going to be people who maybe care about the things that I talk about and want to know how they can do the same um, whether my podcast or my book or anything that I do is like an introduction to their feminism and their social justice. But yeah, I think a lot of people coming to this podcast are going to take a lot from what you just said about being in social justice spaces. I do have a few questions from my listeners that I'd like to ask you. Um, obviously the theme of the episode is feminism and these are some of the questions. Oh, someone asked, am I less of a feminist because I enjoy wearing makeup and care about my appearance? No, <laughs> David Bowie wore makeup. <laughs> I think makeup is hilarious and fun and, and like a brilliant celebration of your face. It's just art. You're just painting art. I would try to stay away from like the hell that is contouring and baking and caking. If you were trying to use makeup to cover up your face, I would rather that you use it to try and celebrate what you do like rather than cover what you have been told not to like. But I think makeup is fine and fun. It's just like wearing colourful clothes to me. I, I don't personally use makeup to f to like fake a new face. I use makeup just to be like, so I'm throwing a party on my face. Mm. Sounds a bit jizzier than I meant yeah. that to, but you know what I mean? Like I'm, um, <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> I am jizzier. throwing the party on my face. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. I, no, Let's I, make that I word thought, I, thought, I, thought you, I thought that would be the answer. Yeah. I have a problem with like Photoshop because I think that then you are, literally like everyone can see when I'm wearing makeup or when I'm not wearing makeup yeah. but if I'm literally changing my actual structural uh features then I feel like I'm not only just like being dishonest to other people fine that's not great but oh I'm really harming myself yeah 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 because then I have to like look at my real face in the mirror and see that it doesn't look like my filtered face and then I cannot help but hate myself because I've set like a unrealistic precedent it's bad for us more than it is for other people that's the interesting thing I found is that we've not only got beauty standards to now live up to which obviously worse for people who are marginalized but we we have like two standards so we have the standard of ourselves online and the beauty standard to live mm -hmm. up to and both, mm -hmm. if morphed in the way that you're talking about with airbrushing your skin and tuning your body and stuff, are impossible to live up to. But that's what we do. Like, this is just it. It's just, this isn't feminism. Feminism isn't like, dem like demanding someone be able to immediately run the marathon. It means allowing someone to like find... The reason that women aren't perfect at fucking speaking about all of our feelings is because we've only just been allowed <laughs> to start doing it since like 2005. Like, do you know what yes. I mean? Like en masse, where people so really funny. came out and spoke about it. They weren't... Like, we don't have a lot of practice. Mm. Men have been fucking banging on about shit for, you know, the whole of the history of time. Women like are going to need... We're going to need some time yeah. to get really good at this, you know? Like to get confident, to word things in a way that feels more inclusive of everyone else's experiences, not just ours. Uh, you know, it's just like, we need to, we need a bit of fucking like time. Yeah. Like, what is this expectation that's like, no, there will be no training. There will be no stretching. Mm. Go straight for the marathon and win. <laughs> like, this is not what feminism was supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about our equality and our growth. Mm. And we're stunting each other's growth right now with these perfection standards of the inside and the outside of a human, you know, woman or person socialized as female. Such a good point. We've only just been allowed to fucking speak. So um, give us a bit of leeway on how we express ourselves. Okay, another question. 
Why is competition among women more stimulated and why do women comply to this? What do you mean? What does that question mean? So we've spoken a lot about the ways that women compete. I think this person is asking, why is the competition among women more stimulated than it is with men? Oh, it's because we were taught that there's only room for one of us and that we must uh kill each other and it's a way to make us focus on each other rather than focus on problematic men so they've turned us against each other so that we're all staring at one another yeah it's a distracting it's a distraction technique it's also a feeling of like scarcity basically just this feeling that like there's only room for one it's just so depressing Mm -hmm. it's so um it's so short-sighted and it makes the world feel very small for us and that's because they don't want us to grow in numbers because we grow in numbers we'll become more powerful because we're stronger together so they want us isolated because we're easier to abuse gaslight and corrupt on our own it's easier to manipulate when isolated just like a cult yeah yeah truly yeah it's just an abuse it's an abuse mechanism it's a perfectly uh well-oiled abuse mechanism so another question on the same topic um, to do with like women competing. How do you respond to women who don't share your views on feminism or hate feminism? How would you approach that situation? Let's say it's someone in your life. Um, I mean, I have someone in my life who didn't think that she was a feminist. She said to me, I'm not a feminist. And I was like, do you think that a man should be paid the same as you if you do the same work? And she was like, yeah. I was like, that's feminism. Mm. I was like, do you think that you should have the same voting rights? Do you think you should be entitled to like healthcare and like safety? So it's laying out the basics, Jamila. It's feminism. It's just just really just making it feel as like, as as easy and and humane and and natural as possible because it is it's so it's so humane it's so not radical feminism is the least radical thing in the world <laughs> yeah, it's just like true. basic it's really just very very basic uh, everything we're asking for just because the language is complicated the the concept is not mm. um and so that's that's how i feel i don't feel i often feel like when i meet someone like that that they're a product of their environment just like i was and having been as problematic as i was before and probably still am in some ways. Um, I have nothing but like, I'm, I'm excited to meet someone who has like room to grow. I'm not out here. I feel the same. Saints and popes. I'm out here excited to watch people like kind of, I don't know, see things differently. Yeah. So I approach them with great enthusiasm. That's so interesting and a really positive spin because I do feel like we are encouraged to cut out or disqualify people who have room to grow but I equally feel so excited because I'm like wow you have so much to learn yeah it's fun learning is fun learning is cool absolutely so a spin-off question from that how much tolerance should you have for people in your life who are learning when it comes to people using outdated language yeah I think I think I would always extend especially an older person I would extend them the grace of having the conversation with them about why that is a problem and you know and if you don't want to do it yourself you can send them a podcast Mm -hmm. because there are millions of podcasts about it or you can give them a book I think it's only the people who aren't willing to look at it who aren't willing to unpack it who aren't willing to change those are the only people that I would then discard but I wouldn't I I I always accept that people are a product of their environment Mm -hmm. and I always take the first like kind of like with Dave Chappelle with all that shit like the first time he did it I was like okay this man just clearly does not know any trans people and does not what he's talking about and he's like a product of like maybe a homophobic upbringing or like friendship group or whatever like but by the fourth time he'd done it or the same thing with JK Rowling like by the fucking second and third time she'd done it you were just like oh no you're just doing this on purpose you actually don't want to see another point of view Mm -hmm. you are actually enjoying the fact that you were allowed to be problematic uh, and just get away with it because you're 14 million Mm -hmm. followers so I think that I always like I, I, I hope for the best in people. And that's what I think we've lost in our society. We're not actually wishing for the best anymore. 
And I do wow, still so have hope for people to change. And true. And I, I do, I, I do believe. I, I know the capacity and the impact of human change, and I'm still looking for it. So I'll always give someone one opportunity, maybe two, depending on their age and environment. And after that, then that's a choice. That's not just a an accident. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm. Um... I'm making new friends who are, who didn't know me through social media. I've just met them like Mm -hmm. out and about. And it has been the most refreshing experience ever to interact with people who don't have their head in this uh, black and white way of thinking that you kind of adopt with social media. Mm -hmm. And it's been the most Mm -hmm. refreshing, refreshing thing ever to be around people that don't view you as disposable. Um, And that's something that I... on top of what we're talking about now to anyone listening I would recommend making friends that don't view you as disposable and if if you're constantly treading on eggshells around your friends about saying the wrong thing or even asking questions or whatever then that's probably not really a healthy environment to be in because like you said Jamila um we are losing hope in people and we can't and I think it's bell hooks I saw this quote floating around recently because obviously she passed away And it was a quote about how accountability and forgiveness have to be hand in hand because to be able to believe in accountability, you have to believe in people's humanity to change, else accountability won't work. And I think that's really important, allowing people to change. And what is activism? Yeah. What is the point of activism if you don't think anything's actually going to change? Yes. what are you fighting for? You have no idea how refreshing it is to have a conversation with someone about such a niche topic. Like being a woman in the public eye, a lot of people speak about, you know, how to get there, but not really so much how to deal with it. And I love that that's what Jamila is doing and that she continues to exist in the public eye, despite the many attempts from several people in the media, in in her public life to make sure that she doesn't stay there. And that's what I admire about a lot of the women that I've interviewed for my podcast is that they have this tenacity and this resilience to just keep fucking going. I think Jamila's an absolute legend and I love how ridiculously honest she is. And I think that that is something to be valued, especially in this industry. If you enjoyed today's episode, you're going to love Jamila's podcast. It's called I Weigh, and you can get more from her on her Instagram at Jamila Jamil and all other social media platforms that she uses. Next week, I'm going to be talking to the incredible Sean Fay. I can't wait for you to listen to our episode. It's all about trans liberation. It's such an important topic. She's an absolute cracking guest and I can't wait for you to hear it. And a massive thank you to the fucking incredible Black Honey who composed the original theme music for my podcast. You can find them on Instagram at blackhoneyuk and check out their latest album called Written and Directed. To keep yourself updated with all the latest episodes as they drop, you can follow exactly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please take the time to rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a review. It really does help people to find us and make sure that the people who need to hear these conversations do. This is a podcast from something else. My producer is Millie Charles. My assistant producer is Ella McLeod. Executive producer is Carly Mail. Production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And I want to give a special thanks to our engineers, Jay Beal, Josh Gibbs, and mixing engineer, Gully Lawrence Tickle. And additional production from Chris Skinner and Teddy Riley. Hold up. 